I'll, I'll take it off mute, shall I? Let's try again. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome to the Red and Blue Review. My name is Nick Philpott. I'm your host with a microphone that has got a mute button on it. And I'm welcomed by this motley crew. Good evening, Joe Holyoke. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you. You? Yeah, I'm all right, buddy. James, Jim Cannon. Good evening, mate. Palace legend. Will's catching you up. 450 appearances, mate. How are you? Ooh. I can't. Are you talking to me? Can't hear yeah. you. Can you not? Can you hear me now? Well, I can hear a garbled like you're underwater, and I'm missing every other word. So I think you said, "Are you all right?" Yes, I am. And I also said, "Wilf Zaha has now got 450 appearances. He's catching you up. Will he catch you? Do you think?" Yeah. No, he won't. <laughs> Nonsense. Uh, Jim, you're, uh, you're, you seem to be lagging there a little bit, mate. And Ian Noble, I hope you're well, buddy. How are you? Uh, very good evening, Nick. Good evening, everyone. There's nothing quite like a good introduction to a show, and that was nothing yeah. like a good yeah. introduction to a show. <laughs> That's what we do on this show. We're live. We are doing this. At, we Don't forget, we are the only Crystal Palace live podcast you can watch. Please make sure you like it, share it, tag it, and follow it wherever you are in the world. Good evening to you. Thank you for joining us. Andrew Adams, I can see you. Uh, Mark, I can see you. Renshaw Barker, I can see you out there. Facebook user, he, he's turning into a bit of a regular. Steve, I can see you, mate. No, you haven't gone deaf. It's me and my stupid button on here. But we've got lots to go through. This is going to be a show of two Uniteds and two massively important points for Crystal Palace. If you'd have asked me at the beginning last weekend, or after Ian finished his show, what do I think was going to come out of this week following? I would have said to you, Nothing, probably zero points. To come away with two extremely valuable points, I think it's fantastic effort, and we'll come on to that during the evening. Joe, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I, I mean, no one's really asked. You asked me, Ian says, forecast for, you know, for, for the next two games, and I did say two draws. You did say one all for both games, though. So, but well, I, I well, still you, one point. I still two right. points. Yeah, well done. Still still two points. Ladies and they started bickering already. <laughs> If you listen to them both pre-show, they were talking about different colour painted bits and one-upmanship on that. And uh, they were doing this before the show. Anyway, Jim, are you back with us, mate? Can you hear us? No, you can't hear us by the look of it. So anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to crack on with news from around the club. What's been going on at Sellers Park? Well, I, I want to discuss, if we can, to start with all the signings that have come into the club. Um, there's been a whole list... Oh, I'm moving on. Okay, right. Vincente Guaita has signed a new contract extension with the club, committing his future until June 2024. The Spanish goalkeeper has played over 140 times for the Eagles since joining in 2018, securing 44 clean sheets in the process. Uh, club chairman Steve Parrish said, we are delighted Vincente has committed a further year to the Palace over his five years with us, his performances have been consistently excellent and remains one of the top goalkeepers in the Premier League. And on his extension, Guaita commented, he said, I'm very happy to stay at Crystal Palace for another season. I love it at this club. My family are settled here. Uh, I have played 150 games over five years and I hope for many more. Thank you to the club for their belief in me and thank you to their amazing fans for their support. Boys, um, Jim and uh, Joe and Ian, is that good things? I know he's had a bit of flack recently. Are you pleased he's extended his contract? Is that is that the right thing, Joe? You first. Oh, where's that bus? Um, 
Yeah. Look, goalkeepers in it. We, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm always in and out with goalkeepers. I think that's why we should always have at least three, and we definitely should be rotating uh, the, the top two. Um, I'd like to see Sam Johnson get some time, but he's, he's a good goalkeeper. If he could just master coming for crosses and, and being a little bit, a little bit braver, I think he would. He, he would be, you know, undoubtedly the number one. Ian, I think Giles raised a good point there. Uh, he's coming for, coming for high ball across the box would probably be his weak point. Would you not agree? Yeah, I mean, he punches, doesn't he, quite a lot of the time as well. But, um, you know, he's a great shot stopper. Um, I, you know, you asked, was I pleased with the news? Yes, I was pleased with the news. Um, you know, goalkeepers can go on a bit longer. He's 35 or 36, something like that. Um, and I'm pleased that he's staying at the club for another year on top of his current contract. So, yeah, good news, I think, all round. Um, of course, you know, we've got Jack Butland to come back when he finishes his loan spell at Man United and Sam Johnson. So we've got you know, three very good goalkeepers. I'm not sure how you can keep all three happy all of the time. Um, that'll be something for Patrick Vieira to sort out. But, um, you know, um, it's good to have that, that competition for, for the place, for sure. Welcome back, The Ledge. Can you hear me all right now, mate? Yeah, I can. It just keeps cutting out. I don't know why. I don't know why. Not to worry. Listen, the other thing, what I was trying to say to you at the top of the show, and we'll talk about it now, if you don't mind, Wilf Zaha, 450 appearances. That's some achievement. Um, do you think we'll see many more appearances from him? Uh, well, if he's fit, certainly towards the end of the season, he'll get a few more games in. Uh, I think he got a bit of a hamstring yesterday, so that might be a problem for him. But whether he stays after that, who knows? Who knows? Indeed. Uh, and so, moving, I would like to talk, if you don't mind, I'm going to do some of the other bits and pieces from around the club and, and what we've been calling loan watch recently. There's no match for Jez Raksaki over the weekend as Charlton's match against Peterborough got postponed. Remy Matthews started in goal for St Johnson's against Rangers in the Scottish Cup. He did concede the only goal of the game. Daniel Quick scored for Billericay Town after only six minutes in their 5-1 win over Kingstonian. Both Rob Street and Killian Phillips started for Shrewsbury. Killian played 90 minutes again, uh, but was a robber's substitute in the 74 minute and their 5-1 win against Cambridge United. Luke Planch came on as sub in the 87th minute and Jake O'Brien played a full 90 minutes for RWD Molenbeek, Mr. Texter's RWD Molenbeek, no less, in their 2-1 home win against Dents. And Jack Butland, again, did not make the bench for Man United this afternoon, apparently. Although somebody on one of the chats has just said differently to that. But uh, Malachi Boateng didn't have a game as Queen's Park had a free match weekend. And Malcolm uh, Iwobi has joined Hull City and was not part of their matchday squad against Sheffield United on Friday night. Um, let's do Iwobi, if you like, because he looked like quite a good prospect. OK, um, Ian, I'm coming to you first this time. Is that good for his development? He's been loaned out or are we too thin on the ground and we should, maybe should have kept him on the bench as we had two youngsters on the bench this weekend? Yeah, I think you can make an argument both ways for that one, Nick. Um, I really do. Um, I think as far as the player is concerned, I think he, he's better off going out on loan to the Championship. If he gets regular minutes with Hull City, that'll be better for his development, personal development, rather than sit on the bench and play your 10 or, or 20 minutes for, for Palace. He came off the bench, I think, at Everton in the league when we were already 3-0 down. And he's probably played a few more minutes in cup matches as well. But, um, 
certainly he'll get more out of the next couple of months by playing in the championship. And I think if you can go out on loan at the championship level, um, that, that's that's a, that's a really good sign as opposed to League One or League Two. We've got too many players, League One, Scottish Leagues, Belgium Leagues and all this kind of rubbish. Whereas, you know, really want to loan out our players to the championship if we can. And we've managed to do that with Malcolm Bowie. And I think he's he's teamed up with his old boss or something as well. So, you know, hopefully he'll get a lot of minutes there and um, get some good playing time under his belt. Cool, cool. Then finishing up on that, uh, I believe the ladies uh, had a defeat this afternoon. I can't even find their details on it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sure they had a, a Crystal Palace women lost away to Coventry City ladies this afternoon in 3-2. And their next game is coming up next weekend. Uh, right, so boys, if you don't mind, we're going to move straight on to the Man United game. Um, it was, to say it was bloody cold that evening. I mean, I didn't think it was quite as cold yesterday, if I'm honest with you. Good God. Uh, Ian's talking about his coloured bits, but I was froze my bits off. I know that for sure. It was freezing. I have to say, whether it's my age, because I'm approaching 60, I've got to tell you, that was probably one of the coldest time, times I've ever experienced at Sellers Park. Uh, but... Usual stuff with Palace. They they put one out of the bag for us. I think that point was massive in our season, huge in our season. And it, uh, Joe, was it, you're, you're taking care of the Man United game, aren't you? Uh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just give a, a bit of chance by chance uh, action. So obviously, Palace won, Man United won. Um, so in the first half, some some good one touch passing from Decorey Zaha. And the least they see is Edward creates space on the edge of the area. Um, and, and quite literally, if you listen to the if you listen to the highlights, you hear someone in the Arthur shout, some single feather, shoot, which he did, uh, only to see the Gaia roll back the years to when he was a really good goalkeeper and fingertip the ball onto the bar and out for a corner. Um, not much help between sort of there and, and Man United's goal, really. Um, Ericsson just Jog forward uh, on the left-hand side. Loads of space. Wasn't closed down at all. It was a short pass to Rashford. Um, and then he just picks... Ericsson make, carries on making his run. He picks the perfect ball through. Um, and like I say, carried his, his run on into the box. Completely unopposed. No one ever, even anywhere near him to stop uh, to stop the cross. Um, his perfect pass bypasses to Corey and Hughes to find Bruno Fernandes, who must have thought he'd been given the freedom of Croydon. Such was the time that he had... 12 yards out, and he could not miss. Uh, one nil to the bad guys, and all was sycophantically well in the Sky commentary box. They were absolutely blown smoke up. Man United's ass about the yeah, but anyway. So, uh, so, so they said, and, and then that literally was the, the, the two chances, you know, the, the two, two main bits of action. So, the second half was uh, United counted quickly through. Um, through the middle, really, it sees McTomin uh, McTominay tumble spectacularly after a challenge by the impressive Richards. After what seemed an eternity, VAR said no penalty, when in reality, 99 times out of 100, it would have been given, and in my opinion, should have been given. Um, wow. so, so no penalty. It was the merest, the, the merest of touches, I think. But, I mean, anywhere else, most games, that would have, that that would have been given. So, Palace's uh, next chance came from a corner. At least they finds Gay and his header is punched away by uh, by De Gea. Again, and he took a, a slight step to his left. He probably could have caught it. It was a, a more spectacular than it needed to have been. Um, the main thing, which which was really under talked to uh, uh, talked about on Sky, 
was really, really disappointed. And again, had it been the other way round, I think this would have this would have been. But a yellow that should have been a red. Um, Mitchell intercepts a ball, uh, a ball coming out from defence. Feeds Wilf. He starts a sprint, and he is literally scissored knee height by Casemiro. Like, had it been the other way round, United, especially Bruno, who was who was who was in the the ear of the referee all night, it was absolutely shocking. Um, they'd have all been demanding a red. Sky described it as a lunge, but I mean, if I, I freeze frame this again tonight to to write these notes, he was off the floor, both feet, and he's and he's and Casemiro's right leg, right foot does Wolf's bad knee. It's already strapped up, um, and, and, and it's the most professional of fouls. It and was it's, waist and high, it, wasn't it? Waist high, almost. Well, it was. It was. It was off the ground. It, I mean, just. VAR, this is the thing, right? They didn't, the VAR should have intervened. It should have. They, they intervene every opportunity they can do, right? But it never, um, and, and had, they, had they done it, I think he would have, instead of seeing yellow, I think he would have had to have seen red. Um, but but all Sky were, were you know, just apologising or, or, or just literally distraught about was the fact that now, because he received the yellow card, he was going to miss the game against... Um, against Arsenal on Sunday. I mean, I, what? I don't really don't care. Um, anyway, the, the Palace is equalising goal. Um, so United give a foul at 25 yards out. It's the 92nd minute. Elise stands poised. United have a three-man wall. Klein makes a fake run and Elise hits an unstoppable curling shot in off the underside of the bar. A world is scored in front of the watching millions, celebrated by fans and players alike, except for Elise himself. <laughs> the gutted and now perplexed Sky Comms didn't know what to make of it either, nor did we really. Michael Elise did, though. He knew no matter what, even by his brilliant match-saving standards, that he'd be dropped for the Newcastle game, which he was, because apparently he needs to add things to his game, according to our manager. So he finished 1-1. Palace paid on United's parade of winning 11 in a row. The United fans choked on their ooh-ah, Cantonar chants. And Palace fans went undelighted about Elise's free kick and Will Hughes kicking Bruno Fernandes for much of the evening. Right. Do you know what? Thank you, Jill. There's loads to talk about. Jim, I'm coming to you straight Can away. I just do the stats? Can I just finish off with the stats? Yeah, just very quickly. So... Well, uh, the the post the because we will talk about the Newcastle game with the referee, but John Brooks was the referee. I didn't even know his name, and I think that's a measure of of how good he was because I thought he had an amazing game. Um, possession thirty nine percent to us, sixty nine United. I'm only going to do the shots on target because we had five on target. They had four. Corners three three. Fouls, they fouled us 10 times uh, against us, nine. Bookings, we have one, and they had three. So, you know, that's just a, just a very basic stats and a very basic chance-by-chance chance of what happened really during the whole game. Good stuff. Jim, Joe rightly made an uh, issue of that lunge by, was it Fernandes uh, on Zaha? How, from a former player... Casemiro. Casemiro. Casemiro, sorry. Casimiro. How do you do that? It's a sending off, isn't it? I mean, he summed it up. If it was Palace doing that to a United player, it would have been a straight red card. I mean, the, the whole point of of these looking at these tackles is if, if two feet are off the floor, you're not in control of anything. That's why I felt really sorry for 
Tyrick Mitchell, when he gets sent off for just sticking a foot out, he was in control, but he just mistimed the tackle. But he gets sent off, and yet Casemiro can lunge in, waist high almost, and just gets a booking. The only good thing is he didn't start crying because players seem to cry for everything these days, don't they? So that he might miss a game of football on uh, or today. So, but yeah, it was a bad, bad tackle. In your views, yeah, I, I think I think it was a clearly really deserved point. Um, yeah, it did surprise us when the free kick went in, and uh, you know I love the way that Elise is so cool. What did he say? I didn't celebrate because I was just doing my job. And uh, you don't see a postman celebrating when he's delivering letters, do you? He said, so it's been make me laugh. Um, one of the things we did before the game on Twitter, we ran a little poll about who should replace a uh, Joachim Anderson at centre-back. Uh, and, um, of course, Tomkins replaced him during the game at Chelsea uh, a week ago. Um, and we had 121 respondents in about eight hours. I did it to make sure we finished before the game. 82% said Chris Richards. 11 Tompkins and 7 Ward. So the Palace fans had spoken. Um, 100 of them had said, let's play Chris Richards. And what a great decision because he played really, really well. And uh, of course, he, he played again yesterday as well. Um, the other person I thought had a fantastic game was Will Hughes. Um, and we'll come on to the Newcastle game, but I was really surprised to see him drop from the starting lineup. We're going to do. We're going to do all of that, and you're right as well because we need to do that. We need to do the fact that uh, Richards and everything else. Joe, you wanted to make a quick point. Yeah, well, it's not a quick point. As happens, it's about the changes. So we, have, I think he, he made at, at least three, it was four changes. Four, four changes. So, so Richards come in. We were screaming for that. We, you know, when we we discussed who should be coming into the team during during the last pod, and and we turned and, and turned around and said we wanted Richards at the back. Um, we wanted uh, Will Hughes to come in and bolster the midfield so that the core wasn't up there on his own. Uh, and for the previous two games, we haven't started with a centre forward. So what did, I'm sure he watches this. He must watch this because then he played four four two. I was like, what on earth is going on here? And straight away, four four two. Gosh, what are we on the front foot? It's ridiculous. Like, I, I, I can't understand for the life of me. Not everyone must have thought that this is like, like all our Christmases come at once. You literally the three, the four players or three players that we wanted at least one forward, another midfielder, and, a, and another centre back, and they all they all literally just appeared magically. Um, yeah, uh, the Newcastle games selection yeah, was interesting. We'll do, that, we'll do that in a minute. And we'll do that in a second. A couple of other things that came out of that fixture, and I'm sure you'll all be aware of. And I do want to touch on them both. Is the uh, one the pitch invasion by well, what I can only describe as probably a tourist, a tourist from somewhere. Now, in case you're not aware of this, boys, okay, that guy entered the field of play uh, down in the corner of the halfway down towards uh, the Holmesdale end. So I think it's Block W down there. He entered the field of play and he was surrounded and being g'd on by a load of a load of other guys. He jumped the fence down by the corner flag. He made his way all the way to the centre circle where he took that selfie. And it was only after he took that selfie did a single steward enter the field of play. Now, that uh, selfie picture that he took could easily have been a knife um, or something as, as bad. Your thoughts, please. Jill, you first. Yeah, I mean, it's poor. I mean, you know, the, the stewards are there to... I don't know what the stewards are there for. They're certainly not to stop people running on the pitch, because if they were, then, then it's a foul. Um, 
but but also uh, I'm amazed that that we don't have we don't have absolute direct security for the team um, within like in basketball in America. There's one or two spotters, and what they do, they watch the crowd at the front of the at the front of the games all the time. They're scanning the crowd just in case anybody wants it, because obviously getting access to the court is really, really easy. And these people are trained. So I can't understand why we haven't got security there that has literally not come on there. Someone who's 15, 16 stone and smashed him in a rugby tackle because that's what he did. Firstly, that's what he deserved. Secondly, that's what should have happened. And thirdly, why didn't it happen? That's the more important thing. And the weapon thing, well, I, I mean, I, I can't remember anyone ever getting onto a pitch with a weapon in their hands. I've been in many pitch invasions myself, when it's been hundreds, if not thousands, going right the way back to, you know, back to 77, 78, 79, all those, the big games and... But yeah, it's it's a very difficult situation. But I mean, what are you going to do? Someone has got a knife. These, they, you know, they're, they're on minimum wage, getting rubbish money. They're not going to put their lives on, on the line. Well, it was it was pretty. Sorry, Nick, sorry. I was just going to say it was pretty rubbish stewarding, wasn't it? It was pathetic. Um, and they even let him take the selfie. And, and Camariso, or whatever he's called, the United player, even posed with him and smiled. What's he thinking? I mean, that's the thing. Casemiro actually smiled. Yeah, that's he smiled. He stood there. Astounding. Good. Someone's asked him for a selfie. And then the stewards come and marched him away. And he, he looked, he, he's marched past us. He looked nonplussed. I want to take his camera away and, and confiscated it. And then Steve, we're going to get a massive fine for that, aren't we? That's exactly what Nigel Crouch has said in the chat. Do you realise we would get probably? But I just want to make one final point about the stewarding. One final point about the stewarding. Do you remember Chelsea the week before? About 20 minutes to go before the end of the game at Chelsea, they bring all these stewards, literally about 100 stewards in high-vis vests, march onto the perimeter of the the pitch, the whole pitch, and they sit facing the crowd uh, about 10 metres apart on these little stools. Uh, for, for what reason? They think we're all going to invade the pitch at the end. And that was the sublime to the complete ridiculous. Those well, two games. Was and I'll tell you now, and from what I witnessed yesterday, the stewards at Sellers Park need to concentrate less on somebody who might be vaping in the crowd. But, you know, he's not even smoking, he's vaping. Okay, and concentrate on what could have been <laughs> quite a serious... And it wasn't me, by the way. But oh, okay. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. Okay, both of you. It was not me. Got it. Greg Ellis says... Jim, if that had been you on the pitch, would you have smiled for the camera? <laughs> of course I would. Of course I would. If the guy's got a car, if, he, if he's got a knife, I would have wiped him. If he's got a camera, <laughs> I would have smiled. Okay, Lucy, can you please clip what you just said there? Okay, so once again, Palace showed their fighting spirit. They have now secured 13 points from losing positions in the Premier League this season. Only Tottenham, with 14, have recovered more points. So thank you for that, Jill. Um, I think that was a, you know, I'd have been chuffed all day long and I'd have taken the point before the game. And that's exactly what we got. And what a free kick that was. So we move on to Newcastle United at home. Another team also flying high in the Premier League with all their money. Do, 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 do. What I'll tell you about the Saudis. Do, 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 do. I'm not going to swear. I won't swear. I promise you, and I won't swear. Could have been us. Du, 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 du. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so again, we finished up the Sellers Park with another extremely credible point. Uh, Ian, over to you. 
Yeah, so I think it's worth just touching on the, the changes again, you know, the starting lineup. This is the lineup that started against uh, Newcastle United yesterday. Greeter in goal, uh, Ward back in the side for Klein, Gahey Richards uh, keeps his place, Mitchell. Schluck comes in for Hughes, uh, Decore keeps his place, um, Ayu comes in for Mateta, Eze comes in for Elise, Zaha, and Edouard. Um, and, um, yeah, I, when we saw that, I couldn't believe the fact that Hughes wasn't uh, in the starting eleven. Um, that disappointed me more than anything else. And then I noticed Elise wasn't playing either, um, which, you know, I wasn't too worried about. I know he scored a great goal, but I think, you know, it, at times he went a little bit missing in the Man United game. That was my opinion. Um, but anyway, on to the game. Um, the first uh, uh, moment of note, I suppose, is Mark Gahey's booking on about three minutes. So he, he takes the ball out of defence. He pushes it just a little bit too far in front of himself. And it's a 50-50 ball with uh, Botman in the centre circle. Uh, and he just catches him slightly late. And he's a booking straight away. Now, the referee, in my opinion, makes a rough for his own back here. Because every time there was a challenge then, both sets of players around the referee going, you're not going to book him. You know, and uh, of course, he's on a tightrope for 87 minutes, 90 minutes of the game. Then um, he's on a yellow card. And later in the game, um, Mark Gay, he was, I think, quite fortunate to stay on the pitch because it was a coming together with Wilson. Um, or rather, Gay, he sort of stopped his run. He blocked him. And that, for me, was more of a yellow card than the first one. Uh, so I think, you know, he, the referee, I suppose, he saw a bit of common sense there. I booked him to start with. But... Um, he could have easily sent him off for a second yellow there in the first half. Um, I was disappointed to see that Bruno Gimenez start. I think he's a great player for Newcastle. The rumour was that he wasn't going to start, but he played and he was pulling the strings a bit in midfield. Almiron looked a threat down the right-hand side. Um, what I noticed as well, they, they stopped us playing out from the back, Newcastle, in the first half especially. So they had three players on the edge of the 18-yard box when we were taking goal kicks ready to really get that high press straight away. And it was too dangerous even to pass the short ball. Once we kick the ball, balls in play, they can move. So what it did, it forced Greta to play the ball long, which I don't mind occasionally. But, of course, with their centre-backs, they were winning all the headers. You know, so they were getting the ball back again straight away from our goal kicks. Um, Newcastle had seven shots on target throughout the game um, to our one. But all were fairly routine for Vincente Greta. Uh, Joe Linton was the most prolific. He had most shots on target, uh, but they were all literally down his throat. So he, he, they were comfortable saves, really, um, for for Vincente Guita, as I said. Um, there was a moment in the first half when Zaha was put through down the middle. Um, it was Dukure that played the pass. He looked offside from where we were sitting, but he wasn't. He was well onside, made his run really well. And he stole about, you know, two or three yards on Trippier. But Trippier got back to make the challenge. And it was ruled uh, judged to be a fair challenge uh, in the penalty area. The resulting corner, Eze put the ball in and Richards got his head to it, but it was just over the bar. And that was really the highlights of the first half. Um, so we go in at nil-nil. Um, yeah, feeling pretty comfortable that we're nil-nil still because Newcastle had the majority of possession in the play and we were absolutely freezing, weren't we? Half-time yesterday. Goodness me, it was colder yesterday than it was on, on uh, Wednesday night, in my opinion. And, of course, um, then what happened in the second half, really, wasn't an awful lot to talk about until Wolf put, pulled up. And he said, Wolf, then, <laughs> now that makes, make that mistake again. Um, do you remember? Yeah, so um, 
Wilf, he, uh, he pulled up with his uh, hamstring. Uh, he tried to play on. It wasn't to be. And we made a 65-minute triple substitution. Uh, Mateta on for Zaha, Elise Freze, and Hughes finally given his chance for Schlup. Um, the best opportunity came shortly afterwards. Um, well, actually, before that, Wardy came on for Klein. Um, sorry, Klein came on for Wardy. I do beg your pardon. And it was in response, really, I think, to the fact that they were bringing some maximum on. And, you know, he can really run at them, can't he? So I think... I think fair play to Patrick Vieira. He looks at that change that Newcastle made and then he responds with our own substitution. But shortly after that, the best opportunity of the game, it was uh, Jordan Ayew feeds the ball through to Edward, And it looked to me a little bit like he was pulled to the ground by Dan Byrne, but nothing going. He plays the ball back into the Matetta's path and he sort of hits it too well. You know, he struck it really, really well. And Nick Pope makes a worldy save. Um, to keep Newcastle in the game at 0-0. And there it is. Um, really, it was a brilliant save. And he hadn't had much to do the whole game. I think if he doesn't catch it quite as well, he sort of goes in the corner, we, we might have scored. But but there we are. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, then it was a, there wasn't too much. They, they put the ball in the box a lot, Newcastle, after that. They had their shots on target, as I said. The ball was pinging across our area a few times. Um, Isaac got his head on one of them, which he probably could and should have done better with. Um, but one thing about the game was that Mark Gay, he did only have that one yellow card and Ducure got booked as well. That brings them both to seven. Last week, we spoke about the fact they were both on six cards. They're now both on seven yellow cards. If they get to 10 before game week 32, they get a two-game ban. And then uh, great to see in the 90th minute, Edouard um, leaves the field, uh, replaced by David Ozo. 17-year-old product from the Palace Youth Academy who's been with the club since he's just eight years old and uh, absolutely fantastic to see him come on the pitch for just a few minutes and I hope that we see more of him and I can only think that they think more of David Ozo maybe than Malcolm Abbey and some of the others that are out on loan so this this kid could be really quite special so you know if you were there yesterday you saw his debut and um, he was very humble in his interview afterwards very mature as well and the game finishes nil-nil, where we're thankful for another point, um, a good hard-fought point. Uh, and now that is three goalless draws against Newcastle this season. I've been at all of them. And 270-plus uh, minutes of football and uh, no goals at all. Uh, nothing can separate us from the team with all the money in the northeast of England. And I'd just like to echo what you said. Congratulations to David Ozo. Um, after progressing through the ranks in the academy since the age of eight years old, he's been with Palace. Okay, today or yesterday, he made history as our youngest ever at Premier League player, uh, Davidson, aged 17 years, seven months, and just 20 days. And he looks about 30, doesn't he? He, he is a unit, an absolute unit. Uh, Jim, a couple of questions for you. I can't help myself, can I? Hey? Say again. You can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> He's a big old lump. Um, Jim, I have a question for you, okay? And this is on the... We are now obviously now have a two-week two week break before the next game against Man United. Um, and so hopefully in that time, Anderson will come back into the fold. Now, I would also like to celebrate the fact that um, Chris Richards came into the team, as the boys have already quite well alluded to, uh, played extremely well against Man United and just equally as well, Yesterday, so hang on a minute, Joe. Let me ask Jim the questions first. Mm -hmm. um, 
what do we do with Anderson and Richards and Gihi now uh, hoping he's coming back? I have a suggestion. I'm going to throw this. The boys don't know I'm going to ask this, but I'm going to throw it to you, Jim. We've been talking about over the last few weeks how we're short alongside Decore. Could you see Anderson coming back into the team because of his passing ability and his range of passes, his crossfield passes, as possibly a holding midfielder as a, instead of an, on the back line and leaving Chris Richards alongside Gehi? No. He's a centre-half that plays very well out of the back. Of watching him play, he's not somebody that comes out and plays in the middle of the park. If he did that while he was playing, I've not seen that. Gehi comes out more and tries to dribble through the middle of the park. So I would say no. You could play free at the back. That's three good ball playing centre halves. You shouldn't have any problem doing that. And then you can put you've got two two wing backs, so like Mitchell can push further up the park. Um there's lot lots I mean Richards can play right back. Apparently when he signed, apparently they said that he could play all across the back. So could he play right back? If we if we're worried about that position, Pliny does a good job. But no, I wouldn't. I, would, I think it's bad enough trying to get a team to go out and play at the moment without switching another player into a position that he's probably not played in his whole career. I've, I've, Any time I've seen Anderson, he's always played as a centre half. So that answers your question. Thank you, mate. He, he, does, he does that for Denmark as well, doesn't he? You know, he plays centre back for Denmark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he might be, he might be a, a player in another position, but from what I've seen and watching games, he's not a player that comes out and tries to play through the middle and play one twos and set things up. If if he was doing that on a regular basis, you think, oh, this guy could probably play in the middle of the park. But no, I would say we will use and uh, decure it. I think that's a perfect twosum at the moment, but obviously the manager's not 100% on that, so. Well, yeah, you, 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 I'm coming to you now, Gerald, but you say about Husey, uh, he's getting a lot of love from the Sellers Park faithful. Uh, he's uh, turning into a bit of a cult figure. Uh, I don't think he, he performs badly against Man United at all. He wasn't on long enough for me to really make a judgment yesterday. Gerald, what do you think about Hughes? Well, I mean, firstly, I thought he was the man of the match uh, against Man United. Um, I need to go back to Richards. He had two foot races in that, in that game. One in each half, he kept up with Anthony easily, uh, saw him off. But more importantly for me is he run Rashford into the corner and Rashford was at full, full pace and he kept up with him. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a massive asset. The other, the other thing Jim just said, about which, I, which I've been a huge advocate for and I think it would stop us getting overrun, is ever, if we could ever just play that free at the back with Gaty on the left hand, Richard on the right and Anderson in the middle and then have a 3-5-2. Honestly, I think that is, that's a huge, you know, we're out, we can't even practice it in a cup now as a, as a, you know, but, but I'd love to see that. I've always been an advocate of 3-5-2. Of I, I just like the way that, it, you know, we won't get overrun in the midfield then, especially if two of the players in the middle at the core and Hughes. Um, I'd say the other thing, if if Hughes does get a uh, a run in the, in the team, he will he'll catch them uh, them yellow cards up really really quickly. Did you see it yesterday's one smash yellow card? 
But uh, yeah, Hughes has got a yellow card in him every single game. Every yeah, single he's out. At this stage of the season, I don't mind, you know, but uh, you just knew when he came on yesterday, he was putting it about a bit and he's going to get another year. Bruno, that's all you need. Gallagher, really. Gallagher was like that as well last season. So yesterday's draw meant we were at Newcastle, are eight points behind the leaders, Arsenal, who obviously won again today, having played two games more than the Gunners and possibly extend ending any excitable talk of a championship bid. They had to wait to the 72nd minute for their only shot on target with Jean-Philippe Mateta's drive, expertly tipped over the bar by Nick Pope, who has now kept nine clean sheets in a row. He's a good goalkeeper, isn't he? Uh, on a mixed night for the Palace, uh, they lost yeah, their yeah. Yeah. Uh, for apparently uh, a hamstring injury who could be out for a number of weeks. Uh, we're, bl blimey boys, we are short enough on bodies as it is, and now we will be without Zaha. I think uh, Vieira summed it up after the game yesterday. The trouble with Wilf, he wants to carry on, and it's credible for him, but it doesn't help that he wants to carry on playing at any cost. Okay, and he, you know, I'm coming straight to you now, mate. Uh, and, he, um, and he did go back on the pitch after being down, and he, you knew that he'd hurt himself down because he was right in front of block uh, B where I was, and he, he, you knew he'd hurt himself. But, and then saw him come, fighting to come back on the pitch, even though I'd seen the trainer come on the pitch and doing that thing with his microphone, saying to him, uh, he needs to come off. But it, it was Zaha that insisted. <coughs> he probably, he's probably made the situation worse. Ian? Yeah, I was a bit disappointed in Wilf that he wanted to play on yesterday. Clearly, he wasn't fit enough to play on. He knew that. You know, you could tell by his reaction. He hit the ground with his hand, didn't he? You know, when he, when he pulled up. So... He should have gone off at that moment. Uh, he didn't do much else after that, but he could have exacerbated it. He could have made it worse, okay? Um, so he gets pulled off on 65 minutes. Um, the, the good thing about Wilf is that he always recovers from injuries quickly. He's never out for very long. His body heals quickly for some reason. So, you know, we've got two weeks to the next game. I wouldn't put it past him playing at Old Trafford in, on, the, on the 4th of Feb, you know, but, but we just have to wait and see what happens. And um, Patrick Vieira was suitably guarded in his um, in his interview post-match when he was asked the question. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But of all the players, you know, when they're injured, Wilf is going to come back sooner than most, for sure. He certainly did when he was a younger player. Let's face it, he's now 30-plus. And, you know, you've only got to look at uh, Joe Holio to know, you know, get over 30 or, in his case, over 50. How your body starts creaking. Look at the state of it. I mean, it's... It's actually a car crash. But anyway, I hope you're right, Ian, and he does come back quicker. Um, so moving on, coming up for Palace now, we have two home and two away in February. So we've got United away on and Saturday the 4th. Uh, Brighton at home on the 11th. Mm -hmm. What? Oh, there you are. Uh, Brighton at home on the 11th, 3 o'clock kickoff. Brentford away and Liverpool at home on Saturday evening kickoff. Don't forget that 1945 kickoff. Um, and there is something to add on to that. Looking forward, talking about fixtures, to our May fixture away at Fulham. I've been messaged this evening by the wonderfully talented Grant Saunders on the Eagles of Man uh, Landed uh, Facebook group. And he's asked me to make you all aware that he is running a boat for the Fulham game. Um, and so if you please, if you are interested in joining us for the Fulham away game and a trip up the Thames, and it is always a lively event. If you've never done it before, I promise you it will be something that will stay in your memory banks as a Palace fan for many years to come. 
me and the boys. Jim, you've never done one of the, the uh, boat trips up and down the Thames before a game, have you? I've done a boat trip, but not to go and watch a game of football. Yeah, you say you like I like my home comforts. Oh, Jim, we'll have to get you we'll have to get you to do this one. Fulham away, last away game of the season. You know, come and join us. Well, I'll I'll probably be going to that game, but I'll be in one of the sponsors' lounges, I think, because my <laughs> friend is taking that. Do the boat trip first, then you join in the lounge. Nah, you you lot drink too much. I exactly. don't drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't be able to. I mean, what answer this Glaswegian? Job doing all this, okay. He doesn't do it anymore. He doesn't do it anymore. You let come on. I stopped. Man. I stopped doing it when I stopped playing football. I thought, oh, I better get myself fit. Right. So we've got some. You know, bear in mind we've just taken points off uh, two of the top four, uh, and we're playing all the team. All the teams that we've got coming up, like as I just said, United, Weed, Brentford, and Liverpool, all above us in the league, albeit. Uh, Liverpool are now more of a mid-table team. <laughs> Did you see uh, Chelsea and Liverpool playing each other? It was yesterday, 8th and ninth or ninth and 10th playing each other yesterday. Uh, the, the bubble was burst, Cloppy. Off your trot. Off your trot. Anyway, we have some questions from our wonderfully talented questions crew that have been stacking up. And my bad, we haven't had a chance to talk about them. Boys, did any of you see the John Texter interview uh, I think it was on Leon TV this week. Um, it was, I thought it was quite enlightening. And I think he was trying to, there's obviously, obviously with the HF putting out that banner the week before on the Man United game, talking about uh, multi-club ownership, stock market gambling, texter, we don't trust you. First of all, in my opinion, a bit tough on uh, John Texter because we actually don't know what his plans are for the four clubs. Bear in mind, he's part uh, owner of Molenbeek. He's now, I think, the multi-share, the, the main shareholder in Leon and Botafogo in Brazil. And obviously, he's a, a heavy shareholder in Crystal Palace. So we did, I mean, it's something, if we, if you remember when he first took over at Palace and we heard he'd, he'd gone in for Botafogo, on this show, we were talking about, is he spreading himself too thin, uh, what are his finances, what's what's his goal at the end of it. I'd like to know your opinion, first of all, on the demonstration put up by that section of the Palace faithful, but also uh, on your thoughts on the interview. Ian, you to start with, please. Yeah, I thought, th I thought the interview was worth a watch for sure, and I was quite pleased. Uh, one thing he said in the interview was that no, no one club is a feeder club for another. Because, you know, certainly I've seen links of Michael Elise with Leon, and I'd hate to lose him to Leon. Um, but if he did go to Leon, you'd think that Palace were feeding Leon, if that makes sense. Um, so, uh, yeah, the players can move between those clubs, and I'm sure he wants to make that um, possible. We've got a couple of boys out, obviously, uh, uh, Molenbeek. But I thought he, he came out of that interview quite well. I'm, I don't disagree with the HF in their statement. I'm not sure I trust him. I'm not, you know, if there was a rumour also that, that Parrish and him had had a bust up, um, you know, I would be with Team Parrish all day long because, you know, Steve's saved this club. You know, I've met Steve. The fact that he's, you know, he's a proper Palace fan. This guy's just come with come in with all his millions and put in a little bit, minority shouting at Crystal Palace. And, um, you know, I'm not really sure where it's all going. But 
you know, if he if he can put some money into our club and and it can make a difference and we can buy more players because of it, then all well and good. But um, I need to know an awful lot more before I, you know, could, if you like, trust him, like um, like the, like the process said. You muted, Nick. Gerald, Andrew Adams' question was, can we touch on Texter? But he also says, uh, what about the floating of Eagles Holding Limited? Okay, uh, the, the Harris and Blitzer interest in a minority stakeholding in Man United. Does it not appear to you that things behind the scenes are not all uh, pink and fluffy? I want you to go back and go back to the Texter thing first before we go on to the Blitz. Uh, Harrison Blitzer, who, who, who have made it clear that they want to move on, and that the merest chance of Chelsea, then Liverpool, and then now United, that, that if they get the chance and can get enough, another couple of billionaires to go with them, then they'll be gone. So that, they're, they're almost, almost dead to me, those two. Um, but but Texter has come in and with his 90 million, I think, and he put his money where his mouth is, then his money allows to buy the core. Um, and, and what he does, and, and the other thing as well, and I don't care how much hate this gets, right? But the HF don't speak for me. They stick that banner up there, and the world, the football world goes, oh, all the Palace fans going against one of their chairmen. So all the Palace fans, it's a couple of them, sit in the middle, sing songs that no one knows the words to. But I'm just saying, I, I, they don't speak for me. Um, do I have a concern about Texter? I don't know. I'm undecided. The guy's come in, put an absolute fortune in when we needed it. You know, the other two Americans, they want it. They're so clear they want out. I mean, at every opportunity, any time a club is mentioned, a big club for sale, like I just said, Chelsea, they tried to get in, get on in that. Liverpool's up for sale. Are they looking at that? Man United, obviously up for sale. Are they, are they, do they want to get part of that? Or is it just the media just being an absolute, just just, just being sensationalist and just trying to grab at anything? You know, you can't trust everything you read. You really can't. Unless unless people come out and literally say, like, text has been basically forced into an interview. I, I, I haven't seen it. I will, I will admit that. I haven't seen it. But unless he turns around and, and, and blatantly turns around and says, yeah, I'm just in it so I can turn my 90 into 150 and I'm off. Well, then then I'd want him out of the club as soon as possible. It, it's as simple as that. But I mean, you know, when it comes to when it comes to football, not many people ever make money out of football, out, out of owning a football club. You know, not not massive, massive money, life change. You know, if you're a billionaire, it's, it's we're just we're just toys. That's all we are. You know the, 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 the Saudis with, with Newcastle, the Qataris with, with City, you know, they're, they're just toys it's just because they play with bigger numbers. That's all it is. But, you know, we, it, it frustrate, we, I get frustrated that when things are sort of, you know, we're, we're mediocre at the moment, we don't have huge amounts of debt. I think we're about the third best off in the Premier League, like debt-wise. You know, we should be we should be sort of Thanking our lucky stars that we're not about to go down a pan like Charlton went down. You know, like Charlton, we're in the Premier League now. Now look where they are. Be careful what you wish for there. You know, it's um, it's a it's a fight. Football's a fine line, and the fan is it's fickle. Always will. It always was. Always will be. I'm 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 the same. I just, do you know what? I love to hate football, 
And I've said, and I make no secret of this, that since the Premier League started, a little bit of me dies every year when I see these players earning astronomical sums while the rest of us are struggling. And then, it, it, you know, acting is part of football. It, it drives me mad. I'm going off. I'm going off on a tangent now. You are. But, you are. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, just so you are aware, and for the in the view of balance, um, because I'm reading some of these things on uh, the chat as they're going through, and Facebook user, probably Andrew Adams. Good evening, mate, and thank you for everything you do in the background. He said, I, uh, I didn't agree with the last part of the HF banner, but we need him on a question and answer. So a lot of things could be cleared up. Ladies and gentlemen, just so you are aware, at nine o'clock this morning, I personally DM'd John Texter, giving him a formal invitation to come and join us live on the show this evening. Um, he hasn't responded again. Okay, we've done it two or three times. There is no reason. I, I gave him the opportunity to come on and have a fair and balanced conversation just to tell us what his views are and where he sees himself in or where he sees his connection with Sellers Park and the other three clubs over the next few months. Um, needless to say, he didn't respond. So thank you for asking that question in the chat. Uh, yes, we certainly have asked him on to do a question and answer. And, and you could also argue the same thing for Steve Parrish, because we also need to know, that, you know, Parrish has been very quiet in the background. You know, there is a rumble of a, a, a disagreement going on. There is a there is talk about uh, I can't read that one loose. I'm ever so sorry. I've got time to read that one up. Um, we, there's talk about discord between uh, a falling out between Texter and Parish. We don't know if that's true or is that just paper paper bullshit. Yeah, the concerning thing about Blixer and the other clubs all the time. Joe's right. Maybe they need to do the off. And somebody else has actually put in the chat this evening. Well, Parish can't be that unlucky that he's got three Yanks and then none of them are any good. Right, Joe, uh, you start, and then Ian, you continue. Can I can I just ask why the, the, the fans think that they need to get an owner who's put nine, nearly £90 million into our club, why he needs to come on and justify where he spends his money and what he spends his money on? It's absolutely ludicrous. Don't be like me going to you, Nick, what are you, what, what you going to do with your money this year? Well, I might go on holiday. Why are you going to go there? Why are you going to go to Spain and you're not going to go, I think you should go to Tenerife? You'd be like, hang on, sling your hook, which is exactly what I hope that if he ever took the advantage of an interview like this, that he just come on here, 15 seconds, I mean, mind your own poxy business, and then, and then cuts us off. <laughs> Seriously, I would be fuming. I would be fuming. If someone come to me, what are you spending your money on? Why are you doing this? Why are you hang doing on, that? Listen, Give listen, me a Joe, guarantee. There's a fundamental difference between the example you're giving and John Texter investing in a football club. Fundamental difference. He's investing in a football club with thousands of fans for that football club. You know, the football club is nothing without the fan base. Absolutely nothing without the fan base. People that go week in, week out, have done for years on end. All right. Yes, there are turnover of fans. Yes, there are tourists now. Yes, that drives me mad. But it's very, very different to the example you're giving, I think. And well, I don't I think, think, I don't I think, think it's come on the show. COVID, COVID, proved, COVID proved for two years that football doesn't need fans. There's your argument. Oh, it does. Come on. No, it that's doesn't. rubbish. Football under COVID, Project Restart, it was awful. It was empty stadia. It was terrible. But it went on. You're telling me that was uh, worth a watch? It was awful. I mean, it wasn't worth a watch, but it went on. 
Yeah, but it was it was still, you know. Yeah, you all, boys. Jim, have you got anything you'd like to add into this conversation with reference? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, sorry, mate. You know what? Well, you Joe just mentioned that football doesn't need fans, but fans need football. That's the whole game is about fans. You haven't got fans, you haven't got a product. Because that wouldn't last long. That year exactly. of lockdown and watching games in silence was the worst thing you could have done for football. But the the Blitzer, Harris, Texter thing, I hadn't a clue about any of that. I, I mean, Texter and Harris, every other club, big club that gets mentioned, their names get thrown in. As Joe said, well, yeah, but that's just the media throwing two names in. Texter, uh, Harris and Blitzer might never have said the word wanted by Chelsea, the wanted by Manchester United. I mean, the press just blow everything out. The Texter thing, I hadn't a clue what that was about. And it was only on the, I think, on the telly. Bear in mind, I was at the game. It was only on the telly when it showed you on the highlights. And I thought, well, what's that all about? So, Jim, uh, I don't take any notice of it. I don't believe, I don't read papers. I don't believe anything. Papers, in my view, when I was younger, were toilet paper and fish and chip paper. That was the only value to them when we bought a paper. Ian, I'm coming to you in a minute. Jim, on the on the in the chat, you've been called the voice of reason. Actually, Jim, I want to aim <laughs> this question and this next question at you, actually, because somebody, and I think it's from the questions crew, uh, I want to talk about the atmosphere, because you just mentioned about how important fans are to the game. Um, you go to all the most of the home games for sure, uh, especially the White Horse and the Old Stand. Why is it quieter this season? And could it be that we're getting too many tourists, as I mentioned on this show a couple of weeks ago? Ian, I'm coming back to you in a sec. Uh, well, I haven't really noticed it being quieter. I mean, maybe when we're not playing as well as maybe we did last year, the fans haven't got as much to cheer about. But in general, I think. Or 25,000 fans make more noise than 40,000 at other grounds. Uh, I've got, I've not, I can't say I've noticed the fans being quieter. I think our fans are unbelievable. I didn't like them against Fulham when they kept them to go at Tompkins because he was having a bit of a bad time. But I felt that was more the old stand mob. I think the, the White Horse lay and they just cheer for anything. You know, player falls over, they'll cheer. Uh, they all stand mowing they're, they're, they're probably a lot older the people in there White Horse are probably a lot younger I think the uh, I think it's true that the TV microphones have definitely been moved away from the home style Ian you wanted to make a point yeah thanks Jim I'll sit in the main stand but you know I, <laughs> <laughs> I do like a moan though I do like a moan for sure you know well there we are um, look um, coming back to this uh, John Texter interview, it's really worth a watch. Um, only two days ago, we tweeted about this. So if you haven't seen the, the it's three or four minutes, that's all it is. Um, go and look at our Twitter feed from a couple of days ago. Um, and the guy that originally tweeted this, that we retweeted, he says that uh, if it's all honest, then he clearly has a plan in his head to benefit all clubs. Okay. Uh, and I said on the on our tweet, you take it at face value. He's not going to make Palace a feeder for Olympic Lyonnais. So you know, you you just need to understand probably a little bit more about what's on, gone on behind it. But certainly that's a, an initial 
um, information. And he, and he only he only mentions Crystal Palace once in this interview in four minutes. He talks yeah. more about Olympic Lyonnais and Botafogo um, and even uh, Molenbeek. I yeah. think Palace gets one mention. So maybe we're not his favourite. Who knows? But um, it's worth a watch. That's all I want to say. Um, George Iwagwu, who has complained that I don't read out any of his questions, has written the next question. George, good evening, mate. Uh, we all love you in the questions crew. You know we do. And he says, why do we keep playing players, for give them a couple of games and then ship them out on loan? Assuming that they are not good enough. He's talking about Ebioe uh, in particular. He said, I thought he was good enough. And with enough starts, he could come good for us. But now it's too late. He's gone out on loan. Jim, it's, it's purely and simply development for these guys, is it not? Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's, he's not had a lot of game time. So the error and the, the staff must be thinking, well, if he can go and play for a championship side and show what he's got, because you can't show that in the under-21s. Like, it's, it's a totally different competition. So the championship's one of the best leagues going, toughest league, and uh, it, it's just giving them game time and getting match fit. But that's the same for lots of our players. I mean, take Will Hughes, for an example. He never gets more. I was could not believe that he changed the team from Wednesday night to Saturday. I, I, I couldn't see the reason. I don't know why, because... If we're not playing that well, why do you keep changing the team? And as soon as we get a really good performance, we didn't do bad against Chelsea, but a really good performance against Manchester United, and then players like Richards and, and Will Hughes were superb. And yet the next game, they're back out of the team. To get the best out of them, you need to play them a bit more longer. I, I don't see that. And don't I don't even go near the argument, well, it's a Wednesday and a Saturday game because he was tired. I've got no time for that. The guy's not played much over the past year. So I can't see, bring him off if he's tired, 10 minutes before the end of the game. But you got to start him. I, I, can't, I don't understand why he changed it. All right, he got a decent result out of it. But uh, not for me. I think players like that, you need to play them on a regular basis to get them know how everything works, how your teammates are working. And somebody like Will Hughes, I'm sure, will get better and better. He gave the ball away a few times the other night uh, against Manchester United. But some of the things he'd done and getting out of trouble and making tackles and coming away with the ball, I thought were excellent. And I think a lad like that, because he's, in my opinion, he's a little sloppy. So he should be in there. He does a job. You can say to him, do that job and he'll do it. With sloppy, you never know where he is. He's all over the park. You think, well, what was he doing out there? So, uh, yes. Ian. Yeah, Jim, I, I hear what you're saying about the Wednesday-Saturday thing, certainly. Uh, and I, I was more disappointed than anyone that Will Hughes didn't start yesterday. Um, but, and I think you've said this on the show before now, Patrick Vieira sees these guys, we don't. You know, he sees them in training. He knows yeah. them inside out. Uh, he, you, I, I've got to trust his team selection. I know it's difficult sometimes when you think, what is he doing? But he sees them day in, day out. He knows them. He chooses the best team, Crystal Palace, against that opposition, I believe. You sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday night's grumpy old men, Jill. It looks like we'd have been buzzing after the Man United game. Even though he wouldn't have shown it, but he would have been buzzing. 
and he would have wanted to play. And everything good about that Man United, almost everything good, like creative, was started by him. Down the right-hand side, cutting in, playing balls in the middle, being tricky, trying to go past players. He, he, he just... For, for, for position for position, you have to choose between Michael Elise and Jordan Ayew. And if you want someone that runs about and marks space and looks really busy, then Jordan Ayew is going to play every day for you. If you want someone who's creative, can knock one in the top corner, can pull, can pull a, a bit of flair play out the bag, create chances, if not for himself or other players, then you have to have Elise. And if this is all about entertainment, then you have to have Elise. I, I, this is what I, this is what I'm saying. Look again. I'm not. I'm just saying he's changed the side. How Elise scores a, a wonder goal on a loop for any other top four or five club, which has been playing it all the time. People would have gone around the world. Well, he probably did go around the world because he didn't celebrate scoring a worldie. Um, but I, I, for me, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I mean, you, you know, you hear about the discord, and again, I'm not going to just go on about. Oh, there are arguments behind the scenes. I think there's always arguments between players and, and, and management behind the scenes. But for me, I, I, I was utterly amazed that Hughes didn't start, especially when you know Newcastle are so strong in the middle. I mean, he made, by not playing Hughes, he immediately weakened their team. For me, immediately weakened it. Um, so, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. To try and second-guess Vieira... Do you know what? Who was it? Was it Ranieri? They called him Tinker Man because he just tinkered all the time. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. This is just what he reminds me of. Just changes the size every time, and I don't know whether it's to keep the players on their toes or say that I can do this. I am the manager. I'm in charge, and you, you know, you do as I say. Um, I don't. I really don't know. But you can see, you know. The, I tell you, what you don't see a lot of the time. Don't see our players smiling anymore. It used to be a really, you know, they used to have a lot of camaraderie about, and they were always happy. They were, they were, you know, they. I don't. I, I really don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't know. It's, it's, I think there's something amiss. Right to wrap up, boys. Um, I'd just like to ask you. Ben and mind, we will probably be without Zaha um, for the Man United away game. How does he change things? Uh, what does he? What does he need to do to to replace? Uh, Wilf, do you think we could be uh, possibly try five across the back at Old Trafford? Your thoughts, Ian? I don't think he'll change. I don't think he'll go that extreme. Um, I'd like to see Richards play right back. Um, I think he's... Am I muted? No? no? Um, can you hear me? Um, I think, I'd think i like to see Richards play right back. I want to see Chris Richards keep his place in the team. All right, that's the first thing. Anderson comes back. Um, play Richards at right back. You know, he, he's, he's, got, he's, he's quicker probably than Klein and Wardy. Um... You know, in terms of up top, he's got he's got he's got a lise. He can play Elise and Eze if Wilf isn't playing. It's as simple as that. All right. I don't think you can play all three of them in the same team. I think you know it's too much of a luxury. Too many luxury players in there. But if Wilf isn't playing, play Eze and Elise and Jordan Ayew in the same side. Um, and Jordan Ayew, you know, I know he's got his critics. Um, and, you know, he's, he's not the greatest, but he does hold the ball up so well. He, he causes problems. He wins free kicks um, and he works and works and works his socks off. So, you know, he probably deserves to play at Old Trafford. I've seen him score at Old Trafford before now. So, um, you know, it'll be an interesting team selection for sure. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not all about the 11 anymore, is it, this game? You know, it's about 16 players on a match day. 
You've got five subs. You need to be utilising that squad. Um, I was pleased yesterday that we made a triple substitution in 65 minutes, you know, bringing fresh legs on to run and run and run. Um, and one of the things we've been criticised for is that we, we run less than other teams in the Premier League at the moment. That's what the stats have said. And, um, you know, that's not good. So we need to up that and we need fresh legs on the pitch at certain stages of games. Uh, you said it's a squad game and it's five five subs, of course. Depends who those five subs are. Uh, I, I do... can't understand what you're saying. What do you mean uh, you can't understand? Your end, yeah. oh, your yeah. end, I thought um, it was Jim... my end at first. I thought, no, oh, no, 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 you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, Jim, would you make any particular changes for that game? Well, if Will's not fit, then obviously he's got to come in. Uh, as he's probably... I would like to see, try Ezzy on wide on the left. I mean, he's got great ability. He might find himself with a bit more room there. Or even if you want to keep Ayu, play Ayu on the right, and or Elise on the right, Ayu on the left, Edward up front. Uh, I just like to see his be, being able to hold the ball up front just to bring other people into the game rather than trying all these flicks and not even holding it up. We, we, that is the worst, we are the worst team in the league. At holding the ball when it comes into a front player. So I'd like Will uh, Patrick to spend two weeks just knocking the ball into players and saying, just hold it and lay it off. Because we haven't got a forward that can do that. Whether it's Wilf, Edward, Mateta, they're useless. And all the time that ball keeps coming back, we're always under pressure. And that's why we got overrun in midfield. Because like player goes thinking, oh, he's going to hold it up. I can go there. Suddenly, it's come back past them because they've let a centre half whack them. Or I, I think we're very poor at that, and I think it's a weakness. But with Wills not playing, you've got well. I mean, we are, have we got a, another left winger that can play there? Well, Edward, uh, Edward, he can play wide left as well. He can do, and he probably he, I would I would imagine he'll probably shove him out there, yeah, because he's started out there quite a few times, which means does he play? I mean, you got to play Elise. I like Elise. You know, he's sometimes when he comes on late, he's an impact player and he does great things. But if he wants to move on, he's got to do it when he starts a game. Uh, but obviously, it's it's. I think he's going to set up not to lose a game as opposed to go and try and win the game. I think you're probably right there. Tom. I think I think anyone that goes to Old Trafford at the moment will probably do something similar. Um, yeah. Of course, we've got. Ten days of the window left. We haven't spoken about that at all. Um, I think it was very clear from Patrick's interview post-match yesterday that he wants to bring players in. He said it's up to the chairman now, it's up to the club to bring these players in. We're one or two short. We know that. That's the quote, all right? So, look, you know, he knows that we're short. He knows who we want, what positions we want. We just need to get them in. And, of course, it's not gone out in the public domain. There's no rumours about who we're going to get. Um, and I don't mind that, so long as the end result is that we do get people over the line. And um, you never know, there could be someone making their debut up top away at Old Trafford. Well, uh, pigs might well, fly as I've well. Got a I've got a big deal. I'm coming to you right now. Um, we need to wrap this up, boys. We've gone on too long. Uh, my, I made the point two or three shows ago, guys. My concern is when the window slams shut, okay, how does that leave, A, the squad, but more importantly, Patrick Vieira, don't forget yeah. it, I said it on here and I said it a few weeks ago. If we do not support our manager in this window and the last window, what will he do? Uh, I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to discuss it. Jill, you wanted to make a point. 
Our last four managers have said exactly the same. I want more players. And our chairman said no. Is this, is this same old, same old? But Joel, yes, have you been taking the angry pills? Appreciate you showing the angry pill. But it is. All our managers say, I want more players. And the chairman goes, no. It's as simple as that. Maybe, so that's maybe, we, maybe that's what the argument is behind the scenes, guys. We don't know. Maybe, maybe we have to we have to pay to to polish that that new stand up, make it look really nice instead of just a nice normal one. Yeah, that's what's costing be, all the money. It'll be empty. Okay, predictions then for the uh, your predictions, please, for in the chat for those four games coming up in February. I will see them straight after the show and respond to them, boys. I need to wrap it up there. Um, Let's take a massive positive. None of us thought we were going to get anything out of those two games. We came away with two points against the two United, apart from Holyoke, who did get his prediction right. I've got to do that. Hang on. I'm just polishing his halo. Our next game or our next show will be Sunday, the 5th of February at 8 o'clock. I have no idea who's hosting it. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I must touch on, before we go, uh, our Instagram account. Thank you to all the great work that Tom Clark Samuel does. Please like, share and follow and tag or do whatever you do on Instagram because I don't understand it. Thank you to Lucy for producing this evening and to Nigel Cratcher in the background. And I also noticed out there this evening in Facebook land is the wonderfully talented Greg Ellis is out there. Greg Ellis, get your ass back on the show. That's not a request. That's a direct order. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me as always. You've been, it's been interesting conversation this evening. I really appreciate you. Jim, thanks as always, mate. No problem. Ian and Joe, thank you. I can't do it without you, so you know that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen out in Facebook land, I will go back and see, review all your comments after the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving up your Sunday night. Lucy Usher, thank you for producing. On behalf of myself, Nick Philpott, we'll see you again soon. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs>